back to the world's most retro futurist podcast. That's right, it's Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're covering Season 1, Episode 10 of both series, which just so happens to be the season finale of Strange New Worlds. We've got Child's Play for the Legion, which originally aired on the 24th of February, 2007. We've got Quality of Mercy for the season finale for Strange New Worlds that originally aired on the 6th of July, 2022. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Doing pretty well, Bob. Uh, that, that season finale, damn, they did such a great job with that. Uh, just going to go ahead and tell you we're going to be uh, we're going to be jerking Star Trek Strange New World today. <laughs> that's the best way yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> It is yeah. what it is. It is yeah, what it, it is. It, it, it was amazing. I'll go ahead and tell you, episode of the week, we're going to go ahead and ruin it for you. Uh, yeah, there's there's no way any... Matt, how, how dare you spoil the artificial suspense of the show? Yeah, there's no way Legion could have ever like topped Quality of Mercy. Love the episode. But, but Matt, Legion had Mr. Mixit Pitalik. You, di- you didn't like Mr. Mixit no, Pitalik? We're going to go into that shit in a minute, but hold on. All right, uh, let me say, though, that, you know... One thing that we are going to talk about, though, in this podcast is the fan lashing of the new actor playing Jim Kirk. Okay, we're going to talk about that. We're going to put that on the table. We'll talk about that when we get into it. But that's something that, you know, yeah, while I ruin the suspense, uh, that's something we will discuss. And we, I want to hear Bob's opinion on this. I haven't heard it yet. This is the first time we've talked about this episode. All right, so let's just move on into Child's Play, Bob. I will say as a little preview, uh, somebody dubbed him vegan Jim Kirk, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Wow, that, that's that's mean. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's let's talk child's play. In the A plot, Zix, a rogue kid who resembles Mister Mixel Pitalik, terrorizes the Legion. And then in the B plot, we have a uh, Phantom Girl gets uh, beaten up by a giant rabbit on the sorcerer's planet Xerox as she tries to outperform her uh, mother in diplomacy and get the planet to rain little Zix in. I just don't understand why this plot didn't beat out Quality of Mercy. Damn. I mean, it's it's so good. It's so good. I mean, at least it's a good spotlight episode for all fans. It, it was not. It was not a bad episode of Legion of Superheroes. I will give you that. Yeah, yeah. So did uh, Mister Mixix Pitalik, uh, aka Zix, did his uh, snapping remind you of anyone, Matt? Yeah, he reminded me of Q. You know, with the snapping. That's that's just a common thing with. But not any other character from another podcast we do, Matt. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a. Uh... The witch boy, Matt. Clarion. Oh, Clarion. Fuck Clarion. I don't want to think anything about him right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they both, they both like to snap. Even yeah, more so that's, than Q, That's I like think. a magic thing. That's like what they do. They snap. That's how magic happens. Yeah. That's, that's like a, this is like true. A, a, a trope. I will say this, Bob. So this guy is not Mr. Mixel Pitalik. Nor is he like the same species or is he an imp from the fifth dimension. Like, nope. Yeah, completely different. But he dresses just like Mixel Pitalik. So to the to the common man, which is not us, Bob. We we are we are not the common man. He he is Mr. Mixel Pitalik. Well, I think we're gonna have to do one of those like expanding consciousness memes where it's like for the common man, he's Mixy. For the more advanced pedant, he's Zix. And then for the really, really galaxy brained among us, like you and me, he's Mixy. Okay. So I, I want to ask you this, Bob. When did you first hear the correct pronunciation of Mixel Pitalik? Well, certainly not on this podcast, Matt. <laughs> uh, I'm, telling, I, I'm telling you, I am telling you the correct pronunciation. That is how you say it. 
Eh, you, 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 I don't think you're getting... I'm not saying I have it right either, but I, I don't think the, the last syllable you quite get right. Nick um, Seltitelik. Did... That's how you say it. Bob, I'll tell you why. I had a record. Uh -huh. Like, you know, a record, you know, you put on a fucking record player, you know. Indeed, of, indeed. Of some, some Superman story. I don't remember what it was. Oh, yeah. It was one of those, like, 1970s Superman yes, records. 19, yeah. Yes, and it told you the story, and they said his name, like, a billion times on that record. I'll never forget it. Mr. Mixel Pitalik. That is how you said it. And it stuck with me. I, I, from, I never heard that record, which you never shared with your good friend Bob. Suspicious. And also, I would say that uh, possibly uh, records aren't canon. <laughs> <laughs> but I probably first heard it either off the Superman animated show or off... Wasn't he on Lois and Clark? Um, like for an episode? Maybe. I don't remember. You know, like 20 episodes a season for like four or five seasons. I'd kind of be surprised if he didn't pop I'm sure up. sure he was. He's probably yeah. played by like Gilbert Gottfried or something stupid like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't Gilbert Gottfried like the prankster? Or am I totally making that up? I think that was on Superboy. I don't, I don't know, Bob. I can't. I can't uh, okay. Or, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm telling you that Mr. Mixel Pitalik is how you say it based on that record. I mean, we can all base ourselves on non-canon things, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the uh, subtle crypto reference in this episode? Okay, Bob, I missed this. I didn't. I didn't get the crypto reference. What did they say? Ah, oh, man, I put it in the notes, but I need to put more content. See, this is the problem you have, Bob. You put things like this in the notes, and I don't. I, don't, I never see it, so I'm not going to go back and watch the show again. Even so, though, of the two of us, you're the one who's more apt to go I, back and rewatch an episode. I am much more likely to, yes, when it's something I care about. <laughs> this, this, I'm just like, I, I didn't catch it. Uh, well, anyway, apparently, I, crypto I think it had something to do with like the zoo or with like because we see Drax Zod's two evil Kryptonian hounds again, Comet and Cupid. Yeah, it, probably uh, in some in some context around that. Yeah, yeah. Which was interesting to see those hounds back. Uh, it reminds me of the the two uh, hyenas that Harley Quinn has in the animated series. Like they had a reoccurring role on the show. So having Comet and Cupid, are they coming back on a on a regular basis, or is this just like a callback? It's hard for me to remember what goes on in season two, but I don't think Draxod and his hounds are coming back. Although I could no. be wrong. I could be wrong. He was he was a fun little villain. So Matt, you have uh, some thoughts on uh, Saturn Girl's magically engorged earrings you'd like to share with the class? Yeah, this is, this is a scene I had to actually go back and watch again, Bob, because it freaked me out. That's the thorough commitment you have to our listeners. Yeah, listeners, I'm watching this, and it looks like this magical little you know, Mixelpitalic dude snaps and he makes Saturn girls it looks like her made her boobs huge heavy enough to bring her down to the ground like she's flying and all of a sudden you see these two big bulbous objects fall in front of her and then she falls to the ground and I'm like what the hell they did not do that with this cartoon there's no way there's no way this cartoon went there so I had to like you know, go back and rewind it and no it's her earrings he makes her big bulbous earrings larger and then she falls to the ground and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But they did it so quick. It's like they, they, they knew what they were doing. That's Yeah, yeah I, I so much associate the uh, pink earrings with Saturn Girl that I didn't give it a second thought. But when you pointed that out, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, given like given like the kind of, uh, you know, flesh color of it. Yeah, I, I, I could see why you would see that on a, on the first on the first pass through. The people who actually listen to this podcast are probably going to go and actually watch just this episode. So, just to get just to see that, go ahead. I, I believe uh, I believe half of our uh, our Patreons are affirmatively uh, gay and have no interest in, oh, <laughs> in oh. seeing this. 
<laughs> so half half of our Patreon listeners will. Well, there you go. Yeah, right. yeah. The thing was, that, so we see a simpering vizier who informs Phantom Girl that Xerox is at war with the UP. Did you notice that guy? Yeah, I did notice that guy. Yeah, so that's Mordu. He's uh, one of the Legion's big two villains, and he's also sometimes a foe of the Justice Society in the present. Or, well, yeah, it's usually the Justice Society in the present as opposed to the Justice Society, you know, around World War II or whatever. And I'm just like, magic, 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 God. Ugh. Yeah, poor poor Matt. He suffers so much. Uh, the magic is just... They had their own little magical council with their magical line of people who were trying to, like, get shit fixed. Just, well, the, the fact that... So the, the place where you've suffered through the magic the most, obviously, is Young Justice on our Patreon podcast. But um, the... I don't know. Have you... Do, do you mind this version of magic where it's just kind of ridiculous and inscrutable? Like, do you prefer that or do you prefer like that sort of more like, you know, combat magic that we tend to see in Young Justice? I, I can take this magic better, usually, the, like the way okay. it's presented in this show. You know, there's the whole like bureaucracy of the magic. <laughs> this is the indeed, way to put it. indeed. <laughs> As opposed to what we see on Young Justice, which is just pew pew magic and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then one other question on our other podcast, Babylon Five versus DS Nine, we have magic in the form of the Techno Mages, but you never seem to mind that much. Um, is that because those assholes show up one time, and they're technology based, so there's there's more to them. <laughs> so by that logic, uh, you love Kimiel Nanjani, the guy who played the uh, conman in Obi Wan. Oh yeah, that guy was kind of cool. See, that is the one thing I did. I did. I remember when I was watching Obi Wan, I was like, yeah, this is the one cool guy in the show. And of course he's underused. I don't know if you watched the whole thing or not, but he's like We'll get we'll get to that in a in a in a subsequent episode. Okay. All right. But yeah, the the one episode he actually has like a spotlight. It, it was okay with him. He was probably the best part of the episode. All right. Well, Matt, I guess we should wrap up our Legion coverage and get to the main event. So, who was your favorite non-Superboy Legionnaire this episode? Got to go with Saturn Girl. She played a pretty she played a bigger I mean... role in this episode. That's uh, uh, that's quite a way to put it, compared given the point you just raised, Matt. Yeah, zing. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'll definitely go with Phantom Girl. Uh, I I think she hasn't even. Uh, no, I'm not going to say that. All right, uh, do you want to walk <laughs> us through the A plot of uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, Matt? All right, so in the A plot of Strange New Worlds, 2259 Pike, encouraged by 2280s Pike, takes another time crystal trip to the 2266 plot of TOS episode Balance of Terror. Nice, nice. And so did you uh, recognize that they kind of did a Next Generation reference by having a Neutral Zone Season 1 finale? Yeah, like, yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty cool the way they set that up. I feel like you could kind of line things up a lot better now uh, looking at, like, structure-wise. It's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Enough. This yeah. was one of the, well, let me tell you, this is one of the, the most intelligently written Star Trek shows that has come out since they've sort of redoing everything you can just say since ds9 since ds9 yeah we'll say that since ds9 i just think they really put a lot of thought into it whereas sometimes <clears throat> discovery they just they don't they don't put as much thought into it as they should and picard they affirmatively put no thought into oh, picard like they like it's, it's like fan fiction shit like it's, it's, you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> and then Wesley Crusher shows up. I mean, it's just like, yeah, uh, that's, how, that's how they write Picard. <laughs> but, but what if Wesley Crusher were Doctor Who, Matt? One other bit I appreciated from the Strange New Worlds finale was that uh, we get uh, Pike being an anti-Romulus gator uh, in that, unlike his uh, sometimes... Uh, I guess friends with benefits, Captain, he doesn't uh, believe the Romulans are secretly behind every bad thing that happens to the Federation. So, you know, I uh, I enjoyed that. I Speaking of topical, I enjoyed that uh, the neutral zone commander was bitching about supply chains. That felt very topical, too. Yeah, it's extremely topical. I mean, uh, you know how I'm about mixing my, like, real-life shit with what's going on, but it's still, still cool. Yeah, yeah. Treasury Worlds has a remarkable ability to reference contemporary events without not without sounding that preachy about it. Smart it still is writing. preachy. Yeah, yeah. It's still preachy, but it's just not like it's not insanely preachy, unlike certain other shows we can name. Yeah. Um, so how stoked were you to see Pike in that Wrath of Khan uniform? I was like totally stoked when I saw it. I was like, shit, I can't believe they're going with this. And then I even dug the like dark stripe down the shoulder that made it just a little different than the uh, actual, <laughs> you know. Uh, uniforms that were in Rathacon, but I was like, yeah. That's my favorite yeah. uniform, I think. It, it's timeless. <laughs> it's a great uniform. Although it does it this is me being very, very, very nitpicky, and I don't I, I don't really think this is a huge concern. Cause it you know, its main point is to obviously to show like difference in time. But you're kind of like, well, is the future that bad if if Starfleet can still afford to switch to like, you know, three different uniforms the next twenty years? Well, they switched so many fucking uniforms in Discovery. I think they probably, I think they just have a freaking replicator that's just making the damn things. At least in Discovery, they're in like the 32nd century or whatever. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about, not even before then, though. I don't know if you noticed, but those uniforms were always different, like in season one and season two. Like they were always just changing up. Not just the one they go to the mirror universe either. I'm talking like yeah. all the damn time. Look, guys, we may be in an existential war uh, for the Federation's existence against the Romulans or against the Klingons, but that doesn't mean we can't change the uniforms every year. It doesn't mean we can't look good. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was very pleasantly surprised when I found out, out the time crystal threw Pike into the first Romulan episode from the original series, Balance of Terror. Yeah, I had to go back and watch Balance of Terror immediately after this episode, and it's like incredible how they frame certain scenes in Strange New Worlds like after the uh, the original series episode. Just like the Spock eye thing, you know, at the very beginning and the mm -hmm. opening. The way the light hit Pike's face, the same way it hit Kirk's. Just mm -hmm. just, every, just all that was just amazing. Uh, if you have not watched Balance of Terror after watching Strange New Worlds, I highly suggest you go and do it just so you can see the comparison, especially if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it kind of creates a problem uh, in one sense because it's like I would almost I mean, you could definitely watch this finale on its own and be fine. But I almost like want to tell friends it's like, no, no, you you really should rewatch Balance of Terror first. Yeah, kind oh, of yeah. like a little, you know, that's a spoiler in its own way. Right. And uh, if you've never watched Balance of Terror and you're commenting on the Internet, on Star Trek forums and on Facebook and Twitter, shut the fuck up and go watch Balance of Terror first before you look really, really stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw some person on Twitter getting angry that uh, Strange New Worlds had uh, had retconned that, that people didn't know what the Romulus looked like. <laughs> yeah, my it, brother. All, like, that is on. all over the place, too. What you just said is me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I also went back and rewatched uh, Balance of Terror after uh, seeing it, and yeah, it, it is wild. And I mean, I knew some things 
you know, like, obviously, you know, this here and, you know, things like the wedding getting, getting interrupted are from but dialogue, like is lifted, like straight from balance of terror, like, yeah, almost to the point where it's kind of like, eh, you probably should have given a writing credit to the screenwriter. Balance. Yeah. And they might have, I don't know. Did you watch the credits? They probably did. <laughs> Didn't, but I, I, I guess I should, I, I, I guess I should have fact checked that before I said it. Another kind of interesting detail is I'd always assumed, and I think maybe our old Star Trek chronology said this, that kind of book we had when we were kids, it was that the training accident happened after Pike was promoted off the Enterprise. But it seems like, you know, that's been switched, which, you know, is, I'm not complaining about. It makes more sense that it would be the reason Pike stops commanding the Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Because, I mean, they, did they ever really go into detail why Pike was no longer captain of the Enterprise? Did they ever give any detail about that before? No, no. Just... I mean, I think I think it was just that he he did two five-year missions with the Enterprise and that, you know, like... Yeah, so that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, April, I know, is supposed to have done one. So that would make Kirk's uh, five-year mission with the Enterprise... Kirk has two five-year missions. One before the, you know, one was the original series and then one in between uh, the movie and uh, Wrath of Khan, which would have been that, you know, show that never got made. Right. I, I think the assumption generally was, is, you know, two five-year missions was probably about about enough for most people. But yeah, it was ne- as far as I know, it was never, never more detailed than that. There's a picture of Pike and Robert April in this episode uh, that future Pike looks at. That has the okay. old school uh, uniforms from the, uh, like they were wearing in the cage. Okay, okay. I did see the picture, but I don't think I noticed uh, Old Pike giving it a meaningful glance. Yeah, that's what it was. It's pretty cool. And just so in case you're wondering, Bob, Robert April was black. <laughs> they changed the timeline, Matt. How dare they? <laughs> Um, you you do wonder also this is jumping ahead bit it, with like number one getting outed and arrested. You kind of wonder how much that'll put Pike at, at tension with April specifically since he sort of seems to be the immediate commander. Right, and who, I'm really interested to see where that goes uh, in season two. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute though. But you had mentioned that you got Doctor Hugh, Doctor Who, Hugh. Doctor Who vibes from this. Are we going to take Mr. Mixel Pitalik, uh pronunciation <laughs> advice from the man who says Doctor Hugh? Yeah, um, Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who. I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't affirmatively say I got Doctor Who vibes because I haven't watched enough Doctor Who. I just kind of wondered: is this the type of thing like new Doctor Who might do? Because I know they're they've like recast like the first Doctor and stuff like that. Oh. So. I'm, I'm just wondering how much they would do like a kind of insert into a previous episode sort of idea. Gotcha. I was wondering when you had mentioned that. I didn't understand. Yeah, I got super Quantum Leap vibes, though, when he was zapped inside his like alternate future self right in the middle of that marriage ceremony. That is like exactly what happens in Quantum Leap when Dr. Sam Beckett, like at the beginning of every episode, he gets zapped into somebody. Uh, you know, you're having to try to he's trying to play the part, but not having any of the details. So he's just kind of trying to swing it. Or wing it. But with the difference is that what if older Sam Beckett was giving young Sam Beckett Sam Beckett the mission? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It it was also pretty interesting to see the characters in twenty two sixty five. Like that is just they're trying to match them up more with how they actually were in the episode. But like it gives you the sense that like Spock and Ortegas get a lot harder 
in between like 2259 and 2265 and then both Uhura and Sam Kirk seem a bit more mature you know yeah and then like Ortegas in this episode is taking on the role of Lieutenant Styles and is like mistrustful of Spock so I'm just assuming something happened that we don't know about with the Romulans yeah yeah it's kind of it's kind of like maybe it's the Maybe it's the arrest of number one, although I don't know that yeah. um, she and number one were ever actually that tight. Right. We're, I mean, we don't we don't know, but something has happened, and she's just kind of meaner. <laughs> not as, uh, I don't say spunky, not as, <laughs> like, that's a good not, 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 I don't know. She's got a kind of, like, casualness to her, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's also kind of interesting because, like, in that um, Spock Amuck episode, right, like, it seems like she knows a fair amount about Vulcans, like, at least compared to the average human, not like she's any sort of great expert, but she just seems to be somewhat conversant in Vulcan culture enough to warn Chapel about it. And that's kind of the fact that, you know, in this vision of the future, that's transformed into, no, she's much more affirmatively suspicious of Spock is kind of interesting. Also, it wasn't Ortegas and uh, number one who kind of had a thing going in that uh, episode with the fairy tale stuff, the Illyrian tales. I, oh God, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember. I thought it was Ortegas and Nooney and Singh, but maybe it was Ortegas and number one. I think it was, it was Ortegas and number one. Uh, so maybe there was something there we don't know about that's going to happen. I don't know. Something. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, maybe that was another so secret. <laughs> <laughs> so I did want to gloat that um, I did call that uh, the Farragut probably meant Kirk was showing up because that was in... The normal timeline, that's, I believe, the ship he was on before he was on the Enterprise. That's correct. He was on the Republic before the Farragut. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what he gets court-martialed for? In, yeah. Uh, in court, yeah, something yeah. on the Republic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what'd you think of, uh, of Vegan Jim Kirk? Yeah. He, here, here's where people are getting on my last damn nerve. This is an alternate timeline. Jim Kirk never becomes the captain of the Enterprise, at least up until this point. So it's a different character. Different things have happened to him. He's not going to act the exact same way. Becoming the captain of the Enterprise, the, you know, the Federation's flagship is a big thing and probably mm -hmm. would give him the, the biggest amount of gusto and, and chutz paw and anything else you want to, any other word you want to put there. All right. He's going to be showy at that point. He's still on the Farragut. He's not going to be the same guy. People are comparing him to Jim Carrey's Jim Kirk on In Living Color. People are comparing him to uh, just, just like you said, a vegan, like, bored. Like, I, you, your character changes depending on what position you're in. And I get it. And he still had a lot of the same characteristics of Kirk. He just wasn't as dramatic about things or show well he was kind of dramatic about things actually he just wasn't as showy or flamboyant yeah yeah and yeah he was a little skinny but who cares yeah i i i guess i'm a little more like halfway i definitely don't think that this is a bad performance and i probably as is usually the case when the fans are upset about something not always but as is usually the case the fans probably just need to chill out i it it is it is kind of interesting because like you have Ethan Peck and uh, Celia Gooding playing like very close Spock and Ahura, whereas this is a lot more variance. But I mean, we also just kind of have to confront the fact that like 
William Shatner's performance was like campy in such a way that like you can't easily replicate in 2020, you know, right? At least, or at least you can't be. You, if you if you were comparable campy to Kirk now, it, it would land differently than it Shatner did it in the 60s, right? And yeah, like you said, they still had they still kind of get across like that he's daring and unconventional, right? Like I thought the the ploy with the mining ships was actually really cool. Right, all that's still there. It it's like taking Robert Pattinson's Batman and being annoyed that he doesn't act like Adam West. Okay, <laughs> like you can't do that. There's going <laughs> we're in 2022, folks. Shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> and kind of to your point, we're also seeing Kirk like interact intensely with someone who's uh, his immediate superior. Exactly. And, yes. Yeah. And even though he is like disagreeing with Pike and like trying to push Pike in certain ways, like he he's going to have to kind of you know mute that a little because like Pike is like the senior officer on the on the scene, right? Which. Yeah. You know, obviously we see we see Kirk with like admirals and occasionally with other older starship captains, but I I don't think there's ever like any such a like extensive thing like that in the original series, except for maybe when uh, Spock commandeers the ship, and I think in the menagerie, and then like Kirk and that Commodore, I think are together on the ship. But even right. then, it's like they're just mostly passively hearing the about the the cage episode, right? They're not like doing stuff and debating about stuff, as I recall. Yeah, it's it's all in the role that he's playing as far as or the position he's in now as captain of the Farragut versus being captain of the Enterprise. It, it, Paul Wesley is that the name of the guy playing Kirk? Yes, Paul Wesley. Have you seen him in anything else? No, I haven't. Yeah, I think he was on like a uh, a vampire show. Uh, I mean, he is uh, he is really uh, thin, but I I would say like in this age and to get jacked for marvel movies like with steroids i'm kind of glad like they're not abusing this poor guy's body like yeah i can appreciate that i get really tired of like every dude in marvel every hero having to be like the buffest ripped dude ever like i'm like even uh what's his face uh the guy who played uh commissioner gordon in the batman films i know this is kind of not marvel but still like that dude yeah, was, yeah. Like, that dude was trying to jeffrey get, like, right pumped. not jeffrey right i'm sorry uh in the uh, Justice League. I didn't know Commissioner Gordon was in Justice League. J. Jonah Jameson. He played J. Jonah J.K. Jameson. Simmons? Yeah, J.K. Yeah, J.K. Simmons was trying to get ripped. And that was like the big thing. So he was getting ripped to play Commissioner Gordon. I'm like, what the fuck? Commissioner Gordon is like a police commissioner who just like... <laughs> who wears a trench coat. Why do you need to be ripped? Like, why? Like, I, Yeah. Maybe it's just J.K. Simmons is an old man. Like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not. That's not was, healthy. But that was a, yeah. That was a big thing, and uh, I'll just uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe that's what it boils down to. Well, and it's also like I mean, physical fitness is one thing, and it's you know that's good. But like, you know, we're not talking about physical fitness. We're talking about people using like hormones and steroids to achieve like an artificial, <laughs> artificial peak of conditioning that's not accessible for most people. Yeah, yeah. I, I one one sore point for me about Jim Kirk is the fact that he doesn't acknowledge Jenna Mitchell in any way. Does seem to sink my theory that she's somehow related to Gary Mitchell. Yeah, just drop it, Bob. It's not happening. It's it's not a thing. <laughs> well, we are we are at least seeing more of Jenna Mitchell this episode, a lot more. I don't think we get um any profound insight into her, but we we do see a lot more of her. So I pulled up I pulled so, up uh, Paul Wesley's Internet Movie Database. Yeah, he was in Vampire Diaries. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's the mostly it. Maybe Supernatural, too. Yeah, which is also weird, too, because, like, I was pulling up some stuff the other day about Anson Mount. His claim to fame, his first movie was uh, Crossroads. Do you know who you know that that movie was? No, what's Crossroads? It was uh, that Britney Spears movie from, like, 2002. Oh, yeah. He was the love oh, wild. He was wild. the love interest in that film. 20 that's years nuts. ago, that's what he was doing. That's crazy. Yeah, the first time I'd ever heard of him was in that Western show on AMC, Hell on Wheels, with another Star Trek alum called Meanie, which I've always heard it was a good show, but I've never watched. To, to pivot to Starships, I will say, man, the, the Romulan Bird of Prey looks great. Um, and I really did love the, the ship choreography of the exchange between the Bird of Prey and the Farragut. And uh, the Farragut, to me... I, at least when I was looking online uh, Thursday night, nobody had uh, anything uh, up for class. To me, it kind of looked like a modernized version of the Ptolemy class, which I don't know if you remember that from like a Star Trek technical manual. Uh, but it was basically the Ptolemy class is like a precursor to the Miranda class. And it's like a, con you know, it looks like a Constitution Miranda class, whereas Miranda class kind of looks like an Excelsior Miranda class, if that makes sense. Yeah, I had to learn a little bit about ships. For the Star Trek NFTs, so yeah, yeah, I know a little bit about it. Probably. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> um, I was excited though in this episode to see a starship that was upside down and firing. That was cool. You rarely yeah. see that. The fair yeah, upside yeah. Down. It's nice, nice for them to take advantage of that. I I also thought it was pretty funny. It's not totally clear. But Noonie and Singh might be uh, Kirk's number one on the Farragut, which is hilarious, if, if true. She seemed so serious in the previous episodes, but she seemed much more happier on the Farragut when she was coming to see Pike and then giving him a hug and stuff. She just seemed like a different character. I don't know. Did you get that? Like, I, I did. I did a little bit, yeah. I guess it's kind of interesting how um, o over the kind of ensuing six years, Ortegas and Potentially, Spock have gotten a little bit darker, and and uh, and Singh has gotten a bit lighter. Yeah, she she sort of calmed down a little bit, but she also but she also has a good. I guess the, I'm trying to say she has a very big range because like if you look in that episode where she was playing the the princess or whatever, I mean, just a whole different character in and of itself. Mm. So nice, um, nice. We get to the big part of the end of this episode, by the end of the episode where number one is outed. Okay. We mm -hmm. gotta figure out who broke the silence, who said something. What do you think? What are your thoughts on season two? I it's hard to imagine any of the main characters on Strange New Worlds doing it. Uh which doesn't mean they won't go that way, but it's just kinda hard to imagine. Although who who only Pike and Mabinga and Chapel know, right? I, I, I don't imagine any of those three doing it, although so it might I don't know. There might be other. It might be a different, um, a different reason that outed or not, not somebody on the ship being a snitch. I bet just Cybok does a mind meld or some shit like that. Finds <laughs> out season two. Yeah, yeah. It was a kind of interesting decision because they teased it earlier in the episode, and you're like, "Ooh, that's like you know, that's like late season two plot or something." And then no, no, it's like immediately at the at the cliffhanger at the end of the episode. It's like, nope, that's 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 our immediate concern in um, season two is poor number one. At one point, you know, Spock's in a Jeffrey's tube, and we hear Scotty. What do you think of that, Bob? I don't know. I uh, so I was wondering if it was actually James Doohan. And you you said no that they credited a guy named Matthew Wolf as the engineer. 
I'm looking at his IMDb page now. He has done some acting and a lot of, um, but also a lot of voice acting. So I'm not sure if he's the guy that they would actually cast to play a new Scotty or if, you know, it was just a job to have session for this one scene, you know? He doesn't look like Scotty. I don't know. I mean, like, Scotty doesn't look like Scotty from the original series to the movies. So at a certain point, right, like... Simon Pegg. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing against Simon Pegg, but I, anything that reminds me of uh, of those movies, including the references to George Kirk and the goddamn Kelvin um, <laughs> later in this episode, I, I could just do without. Uh, you didn't like that, Bob? You didn't like them shooing that in there for that one little scene? <laughs> no, no, I did not care for that. Um, I, I was going to say... Bob, Bob, tell me about yourself. <laughs> well, my father was... <laughs> <laughs> who, who does that <laughs> some uh batman and jim kirk matt <laughs> yeah apparently first thing you do bring up your dad yeah i i was i was gonna ask if you thought if that matthew wolf doing the doing the james doing doing the scotty impersonation if like i was gonna ask if you thought that was like better or worse than the prodigy use of james doings and others voices and now that, you know, now we know it obviously wasn't a reuse, but I, I don't know. I was going to say, for whatever reason, it sounded better to me than when they piped in all those dead Star Trek actors on uh, the Prodigy episode. Yeah. Maybe they listened to our podcast and learned how awful that was. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the strength of constructive criticism. So I will say I would have preferred they didn't save Chapel till the end of the episode. Like... Both because I like her, but also just because it kind of, I don't know, that just seemed kind of like a weird device to not show her until she's reacting to Spot getting maimed. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it, she was missed in this episode. I feel like they could have used her more somehow, but, you know, they had so many characters. It's, I mean, it's not even really a down for this episode because, you know, you can't use all the characters. When yeah, you, yeah. I mean, that's always a challenge, right? But at it's, least they, were as, find, they, were, they found a place to put her that fit, yeah. you know, because of the death of Spock and yeah well really we're not sure that it's the death right it right, seems like it might be or yeah yeah had his leg yeah. removed and he may end up yeah. in a chair yeah 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 no it's interesting so i guess to jump to the kind of the big broad question are you interpreting this episode as saying that pike happens to be less capable for this particular crisis than kirk which is not to say that like kirk is better than pike blah 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 but just like in this particular crisis Pike is not the right man or is it or do you interpret the episode as more saying that Spock's fate is just more it just happens to be more important more vital than Pike's all right I, I thought about this for a long time Bob and I just gotta say it, it's both I mean there's no way around it it's Spock is extremely important to the Star Trek timeline without mm -hmm. Spock you don't have unification one two or three or the Kelvin shit that happened so you don't have well, any of that. The, we we don't want the Kelvin shit to happen, Matt. Well, right. I, if, 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 one, two, and I, three, I, I I'll kill happen. Spock myself to avoid the Kelvin shit. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If, if they're still at the war with the Rom war with the Romulans, then all the all three unification episodes that took place that are like extremely significant to the Ro what happens with the Romulans are gone. I mean, you don't have mm -hmm. that unless. Of course, see this this is the other thing with this with this episode. And while I was wondering about your your thoughts on on time travel and that sort of thing. It made me wonder, like, okay, is Spock really that important, or could someone else fill his shoes and just take over and make this happen, you know? 
But see, I, I this is more butterfly effect in my opinion, Bob. I I don't think this is butterfly effect because this is not <laughs> this is not changing minor things. This is like taking people. It's taking, you know, it's changing like key crisis moments. Okay. The, the the butterfly effect is you kill the butterfly and the dinosaurs never died, right? Right, right. I get that's, it, yeah, yeah. That's not this is not the butterfly effect. I know. Um, but uh, but the th- but going back to what you're asking, uh, but like Pike's diplomacy leads to a war, and then Kirk's doesn't. So I I get that. I see what's happening there, and it's just showing their different leadership styles, and then what the consequences are of those styles in this particular situation. I mean, it, it's I. I I think it's both, honestly. What yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't love, like, on the one hand, I think it's really interesting because it's like the show is, like, directly tackling the differences between Pike and the, the series most immediately proximate to it. And we, I don't think we've ever seen Star Trek do that before, really. I mean, there's always been kind of, like, little things like, you know, Cisco popping Q or like um, Janeway occasionally reflecting on like what Picard did with the Borg. But in general, that's ne- we've never seen like any of the Star Trek shows it, or even Generations, which would have been the natural place to do this, like have such an explicit meditation on the different command styles. Um, so I like that they're doing that. I kind of don't like that they're weighting it in favor of, well, you just, Pike's problem is he's just not aggressive enough. That, that's not great to my mind. Would you compare Pike's leadership style, command style, to like Picard's? Uh, certainly, TV show Picard, uh, movie Picard, and and you know second series Picard. Maybe not so much, but yeah, certainly Pike does. Uh, you know, like Picard, he does seem more diplomacy focused, right? Although in a more kind of personable way than Picard. Yeah, I I was kind of annoyed um, by all the headlines that were saying that. Um, that Strange New Worlds had totally changed the Star Trek timeline, which obviously they didn't. That was the whole point of the episode. <laughs> but um, I, I, I guess there is one interesting difference is that Pike does now know what the Romulans look like. And so I can't imagine that's not going to be a plot point in future seasons. Yeah, I, did, I didn't even think about that implication. But honestly, I, I can't imagine how that conversation would go, though. Pike's like... I want you to understand, guys, that I had the time crystal and I saw what the Romulans look like, and they kind of look like Spock. <laughs> like, I mean, is that what's going to happen? Like, how, they, they would like uh, if he's meeting with a bunch of people from Starfleet about that at the Federation. I mean, he just they probably laugh at him. Well, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he'll tell people to protect the in, the integrity of the timeline. But I, I just can't imagine that they're not going to have like Romulans back in some sort of, you know, containable way that still doesn't contradict balance of terror before. Yeah. The I, I, can, I, I can see the ships. Yeah. I can see the ships being there, but not, they won't show the Romulans again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, we already talked about number one getting busted, but I just wanted to say that it was very much, uh, a, very much a mirror image of Lower Deck season two, which is funny with, cause I think Lower Deck season three, I'm not sure if Prodigy or Lower Deck season three is coming back next, but one of, one of them is next up, I think. Yeah. I did not catch that, but it is the, it's almost like the exact same setup. <laughs> like it's being taken away to put on trial. Just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same idea. 
yeah i i almost wonder like maybe they will like i'm not sh will they take uh number one like permanently off the board in this plot i mean on the one hand it seems unlikely but on the other hand you know it is kind of significant that unlike pike and spock we know nothing about her later in the timeline right right so this i, I and, don't know yeah season season two is gonna be crazy like i mean i think that her character will last through season two but i mean maybe not season three yeah, but she might not be back as, like, the regular first officer, right? Oh, no, no, probably not. I'm sure they'll either put somebody else in or... They might even promote Spock. I don't know. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally convinced she won't be back as the regular first officer, but I'm just th I just think we have to contemplate the possibility that she won't be because, you know, just because, like, we don't know anything about what number one is doing in the original series, so... Speaking of uh, people coming back, I did read that... Uh, Hemmer is not actually coming back, Bob. Okay. R.I.P. Yeah, he's dead. Even though I, I disagreed, I thought he probably had I mean, a way to come back. But he, he's, he's evidence of you can open your heart too much, Matt, and an alien parasite can rip out of it. <laughs> but the actor who plays him, well, hopefully, is still connected to Star Trek, and they're planning on using him in future uh, Star Trek series, possibly future episodes of Strange New Worlds, as a different character. Great. I hope it's uh, I hope it's this show and not Discovery or Picard. But I, I I'll really be happy to see. Too. Yeah, I'll be happy to see him wherever he shows up, though. Yeah. All right, Bob. Character of the week. Who is your character of the week, Matt? Character of the week goes to Kirk, Bob. I'm giving it to Kirk. Nice. Even all nice. The, all the bitching online, all the bullshit, people complaining. Hey, man. Kirk's our character of the week. You call him by his name, Vegan Kirk. Vegan Kirk. <laughs> yeah i'm definitely gonna give it to pike this week i'm not sure if i've given it to pike uh very much this season but uh, i thought this was a great episode for pike obviously and you know between the two command styles i of course prefer pikes to kirk's so yeah. uh, i'll give it to pike doesn't believe in russia gate he doesn't believe in romulus gate he's my man all right episode of the week bob quality of mercy sorry legion by the way yeah, yeah. show on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> so we will be back in a week or two with um a special wrap-up for legion of superheroes uh season one we'll cover the last three episodes of legion of superheroes season one so we can start fresh when strange new world season two return we can start fresh with uh, season two of legion of superheroes but don't worry folks there's there's gonna be nothing but legion love in that episode it's just a yeah, and it'll, it'll probably Legion will get to shine far more than it ever did in comparison to this amazing show. And uh, look for our uh, season one recap episode coming soon. So this has been uh, Uncanny Treks. I am uh, Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We've been talking Legion of Superheroes versus Star Trek Strange New Worlds for the last time until probably, what, 2023? I hope it's just 2023. I hope we don't have to wait till 2020. 2024 well, 20, season, season two just ra they wrapped season two bob not long ago so nice nice okay keep my fingers crossed all right so maybe even early 2023 mm -hmm. yes all right looking forward to it looking forward to it and uh, find us on patreon and have a great night everybody thanks for listening <laughs>